Manor. Hello, welcome to the podcast of Tip Manor. Mixing it up. <laughs> it's a good start. Um, we're back again. The season isn't dead yet. Uh, we've managed to, since the last pod, we've seen a whole new structure for European football uh, come and go. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll see. Not too much, though, because I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot. Uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about Wimbledon away, which was sad, and then Plymouth at home, which was happy. Uh, I've got some fellow legacy fans with me. Oh, I just <laughs> thought of that on the spot, lads. Oh, well nice. chuckled myself. Uh, we got Jack. Hi, Jack. Hello. How is life? It is okay. I've returned to the office recently, part time. So, oh, really? Actually, seeing other human beings and being able to interact in person rather than um, on Microsoft Teams. So that's quite nice. Wow, that does sound nice. I went. I went for my first beers out in Leeds whilst uh, the Plymouth game was on, and it was interesting watching it on my phone. Had a lot of people kind of peering over to see what I was doing. Um, <laughs> but it was nice going out. Ben, what about you? Are you back in the office yet? Are you still? No, I think it's still now. working from home for the foreseeable. Ah, as an engineer, that must be difficult to build bridges from your. From oh, well, your physically study. from my office, it's very difficult to hand build bridges. <laughs> yes. And uh, there's too much technology these days. Calls can be made, decisions can be agreed or disagreed. I do miss the face-to-face office banter. Horrible word, but just going around and just having a chat while making a brew. Yeah. I do miss it. Good, but you know, business is still getting done by Chow Smith. That's, that's what's important. Oh, that, um, that could be a future slogan for a company. Business gets done. Business gets done. Uh, Connor, are you getting some business done? Yeah, I'm getting plenty of business done. Yeah. I've also, welcome. just like you, I've been back to the pubs. Nice. Okay. Any Very dates? Welcome. Or... Yeah, I've been back to the pubs. Yeah, I've been with a few of my friends. Been with the missus. Yeah, it's been nice. Yeah, your really missus. Good. Yeah, you know this. I don't know if I did, but now the audience do, and that's yeah. what's important. And it's ironic because she's going to listen to this because she's a massive Oxford fan, and now she's going to call really? me out for apparently not telling you. What's her name? Joey. No, it's not Joey. It's Sophie. Come on, so you know close. this. You know this. If you don't know this, you know it now. I do. <laughs> um, Connor, bit of new. I, I took the shirt you and your dad gave me, which is the eighty-seven, eighty-eight um, Wang shirt, to get framed. And I took it to this nice shop, not realizing how much it costs to get a shirt framed. Two hundred quid, lads. Oh, good job. I think the uh, guy saw me coming and might be a Swindon fan. Uh, good job. Yeah. The shirt, the shirt would be worth it. Did you get it done or not? Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, oh, he did. He's, oh, cool. He he did a big say. He was a really nice bloke. He did a big sales pitch about not using acid or you know adhesive. And I was God, like, I don't, who, who acid? would use? Who would? Tri- I don't want anyone to put acid on my. I was going to say, yeah. Um, right. Anyway, when it's yeah. on the wall, I'll send the picture, and yeah. you know, it'll be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it because it's an absolute um, beauty of a shirt. It is no, nothing better than a wang on a shirt. Nothing better than a wang. Um. Right, news. Should we, t- should we Let's talk about the ESL thing really quickly. We can all have a little opinion on it. And then, then we'll move on. Jack, were you kind of Gary Neville or were you someone else? Was anyone not Gary Neville? No, I don't think so. There we go. That's the ESL sorted next. 
Ben, anything to add? Is uh, the thing I do find crazy with it is that it's just own, owners being that disconnected from what's important to the British game and to fans. It's just mental, wasn't it? Yeah, they said they'd misjudged the room. I think they knew that everyone was going to hate it. I don't think they realised quite how much and how quickly mm. fans from all teams and all levels of the pyramid would just turn around and gang up on them. And not just fans, the media, and then players were starting to come out, managers. It's just, it's been coming. I don't think it's a complete shock. They've been threatening this for years. And I think yeah. it will, they'll try again. Not this year, probably not until the new Champions League and Europa League changes happen. But yeah, this was a major PR disaster. If you forget the football stuff, this was a disaster. And I'm glad it was. I mean, Connor, I found it a little bit funny because I knew it would never happen. But there were some people that were a bit more worried than me about it. Were they right to be worried? I think they were right to be worried. And I was slightly concerned when I first saw the news break because um, I don't think many people quite realise how much power these clubs do actually have. Um, But I think the collective voice of the fans, like uh, Ben's just said, and also... The fact that a lot of the negotiations of this Super League were behind the backs of very high-profile people in the game, particularly people from FIFA and UEFA, those sort of things certainly didn't help in these owners' favour. I do think this will rear its ugly head again at some point, um, because if you look at the model that they're basing it off, it's kind of the next logical step from a, from the Premier League. You know, the Premier League was a breakaway league. I know the competition side of things is very different with the proposed Super League, um, but the the money format that it was based on is very similar to what the Premier League was initially. Yeah. So there is certainly a worry that it might still be around um, at some point. But I think if it does happen, um, there is a real opportunity for the football pyramid to to have some sense of restructure um you know i'm not talking i'm not talking to the german model because i don't think it would work in in the english game quite as simply as some people assume it would um but as long as as long as if it does happen and as long as it doesn't completely you know rip it's not, apart it's not financially no but no i mean i mean in i mean in years to come if it does happen and as long as it doesn't rip apart the pyramid completely in terms of you know particularly our team and uh, teams below us and that sort of thing, then, you know, so be it. What can what can we do? We're a collective group of fans and it's good that we stood up for it and let's hope that it doesn't come back. Uh, yeah. Because I'm certainly not a fan of it. Definitely not. No, no. I mean, I've struggled over the... I said this, didn't I, before, but I grew up going to see Chelsea as well as Oxford with my dad. And um, I found it difficult anyway to keep tabs on... Chelsea or to feel like the same anywhere near the same passion I felt as a kid and this was just tipping me slowly over yeah. the edge of no return yeah um, but I just love the the apologies coming out oh sorry <laughs> I'd just be funny seeing yeah. what um actually comes of that but I just there's got to be some sanctions somewhere but yeah definitely and I hope I hope that there, there are some some changes that do come of it because again it's you know the ugly head of football is reared once again. We know it's a it's a game for well, it's not a game for us, is it? Let's be honest. Um, yeah. It hasn't been that way for the best part of two decades now. But there is an opportunity now for 
for some fans and some collective of fans and um, some clubs to kind of bounce off this and potentially move into a more fan-owned um, structure where if and when the time occurs, the where that can happen. So Yeah. As, as others have said, fair play to the German clubs. Final thing I'll say on it, go and listen to that cretin. What's his name? Fiorentino Perez, the Madrid guy who is kind of trying to still force this through even after it all claps. Go and watch um, some of his interviews. He's a so fucking clear. prick. Anyway, so I'm saying <laughs> that right now. I mean, Don't hold back, Connor. I mean, like he, he has run Madrid into a really dangerous position and this was their get out. And he, I think he's absolutely he's destroyed you know he's put them in a really d- difficult spot and it was interesting seeing how much the italian and spanish clubs needed this beyond what the premier yeah. league clubs did but well uh, it's it's interesting how this all comes around when these clubs are in millions and millions of pounds of debt and they want to try and basically moneyball themselves out of it by bouncing off each other and sponsorship deals and broadcasting rights and that sort of thing and it's kind of backfired on them so yeah oh yeah. well cry oh well move on to real football now please yeah, uh, let's talk about real football. Jack, uh, Sykes and Gorin have signed contracts. Did you see that? Did you see both of those coming? Um, and are you happy? Um, I think I did see both of them come in because I think Robinson, despite the much discussed um, kind of topic of Mark Sykes and Carl Robinson's relationship, I think he does see something in him. I think we all know there is a player there. Do we see it consistently enough? No. Um, do we know that he can do things? We've seen it in a Plymouth game that we'll talk about. He got man of the match. He got an assist. But that was only his second assist of the season. And it was in game, what, 43? So, yeah, um, yeah I probably wouldn't have minded if we'd let him go, but would have been fully expected him to sign for a, a Shrewsbury, play 40 games, get player of the season, score 10 goals kind of thing. So, I'm happy to that he's still around. Gorin, a bit undecided. Obviously, first season he was very good for us. This season, less so. But I think it's been alluded that he's had kind of well, he's had an injury problem. But and I don't think COVID helped him with his family being still in Spain. I don't think he's been back at all. Um, mm. So, you know, I'd, I'd probably happy that he stayed. Um, I think. The additions to the midfield, though the new additions, if we get any, will be the the bigger signings for the summer rather than these two, though. Yeah, <clears throat> and Ben, it's like it's really important, isn't it, going into the summer that these we do keep some basis of the squad that we've got now because we've got a decent foundation to build on, and even if Sykes and Gorin aren't sure starters, they're going to be really good squad players if if nothing else. Yeah, definitely, and I think. In previous seasons, we've been a bit guilty of trying to chop and change it too much. Not necessarily through our own will, because if, if a big enough bid comes in for certain players and two or three of them leave in the summer, which happened two or three years ago, then you do kind of lose, not necessarily the momentum, but it's that core you mentioned to build on. And I think, yeah, Sykes and Gorin. I mean, Gorin was a starter guaranteed last season and yeah. arguably could still be this season and going forward now and Sykes could be as well you don't know it depends on the plans but I think if we can keep as many as possible if not everybody particularly the the core senior players then it's something to build on I think players like Claire and Cooper will we see them come back into the fold possibly Claire I'd I'd be surprised about Cooper I suspect he will 
move yeah, back to Ireland permanently. But that then gives you a bit room to build on. And we need to get, ideally, bring in better players or players that will challenge the existing starting 11, starting 18. Yeah. Connor, do you reckon Derek Ossior's coming back for a 30 goal season next season? No. <laughs> How's he? How's he got? Has he played any games? At Jack, I can tell Jack's looking. Yeah, Jack, <laughs> Jack knows. No, I I put a post on uh, something yesterday. So since he joined Warsaw, he's been available for eighteen games. He's mm. started one game. Okay. He's come on as sub ten times. He's been unused sub four times, and he's not made the squad three times. So in those eleven appearances where he's got on the pitch, he's played the grand total of one hundred eighty-six minutes. Oh wow! The longest spell on the pitch was fifty-six minutes, so it's been a waste of time for all concerned. I mean, he was signed by their old manager, and then the old manager left. So I think he was a, got a bit unlucky, but um, he'll be an interesting one in the summer because um, I think if we release him, um, he wouldn't be able to stay in England and sign for another club because of the Brexit rules around EU players having changed. Um, oh right, so. Yeah. If he goes back to France, he probably would never get the chance to play in England again because he's not played at a high enough level in France to be kind of allowed in on the like quality of work kind of ruling. So maybe we'll keep him and loan him out again just to help him out a bit. That's very sad. Poor Derek. Um, Connor, do you just want to add anything? You used to have an infatuation with Mark Sykes, obviously, <laughs> since, his, since his change of allegiance to from Northern Ireland to... Ireland, you know, have you disowned him? Are you happy he's going to still be about? Yeah, I haven't disowned him, no. Um, yeah, of course I'm happy. I was, I was happy when I saw the saw the news come through because uh, I, I, I do think he has a lot of potential. I just think that potentially next season is his last chance to show it, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Do you know what I like about him recently? Is that he's had he had a lot of pressure and a big spell out of the team. He's come back in and yes, his numbers aren't brilliant for assists and goals. He hasn't scored this season, has he? Um, but he's he got man of the match um, in games where he didn't rack up any goals or assists, and that's that he's had quite a few of late, right? So he played really well in the six 0 at Crew. I suppose who didn't? But even Sunderland when he got sent off. <laughs> Um, he played. Re- he was yeah. playing really well up to that point, and he's just that different type of versatile box-to-box driving midfielder that can do a pirouette um, every now and then as well, which is nice. So something a bit different. Um, what do we think about the rest of the midfield, Connor? Then you carry on. So like McGwain, um is still an interesting one. That's gone a bit quiet. Uh, do you still think that's a big area of focus, like that kind of? driving ball carrying midfielder yeah I think so I mean since we've seen Brannigan drop deeper it's definitely a a, a player that needs to be added to the squad I think um, someone who can bridge the gap between the midfield and the front three um, and I think I've mentioned it in previous pods that McGuane is probably uh, a good option not that I know many players um, who could fill in that gap to be honest with you you know my, my knowledge of of players who are actually available are obviously quite it's quite slim because none of us really know that. Um, but if McGuane is is still in the mix, then yeah, it would be a great signing and be would be a good addition. We've met. There's been a few mentions. I, I even this Chapman chap who's at Shrewsbury, 
probably be playing against us. Where does he actually play? He's kind of like a more attacking. Um, I thought he played number ten against us, didn't he? Last last time he played. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of where he sits. He did have a good game though, in that game. I just, I just like the idea of having that type of. I know you could say we've got loads of those players in Henry, Elliot Lee, whatever, but I still really like the look of him. Um, Jack, I saw you, or I think you shared some chat in one of the forums about Brannigan um, and how people are feeling about him this season. And obviously, we all know what he's gone through. It's been a kind of topsy turvy year for him, but it is an interesting one, isn't it? Trying to gauge whether or not clubs would take a punt given his age and whether or not he actually is it worth a gamble when they look for players a little bit younger I think that was the main basis of one of the posts you shared yeah um it was Ryan Bird on on Yellow's forum just saying he's 25 in two weeks Brannigan so he's no longer the promising young player bracket so players we've seen go from midfield you've had Rothwell Ledson Baptiste Lundstrom they were all kind of 24 and under, so clubs see them as either an investment or as a work in progress, whereas probably for Brannigan himself and any club that might be interested, he'll want to play, they'll want him to play. Um, and, you know, we, we've touched on you know his eye injury. You know, the guy based, almost lost his sight less than six months ago. Um, so I wouldn't expect him to be one that would be attracting attention because it's more of a risk now for, for clubs than it was a year ago when we did turn down money. I think we're protected because there's a release clause in there that's apparently quite high. Um, but I think there are other players in the squad who may attract attention. I think the two centre-backs, um, Moore's come on leaps and bounds this year and obviously Rob Atkinson has had a very good first season as a professional really because he's been playing non-league before us. Um, maybe it's still maybe a season too early for either of those to step up and do kind of a Rob Dickey, but um, I'd be more worried about losing one of those two than Brannigan. Yeah, for sure. And what about, Ben, what do you reckon about Raffles? It seems like he's probably gone, I feel. I don't know if that's, you know, I should be saying that, but I reckon he's he's probably off. What it is, Millwall, isn't it, who has been flirting around him for a while. I think, yeah, well, if you get offered a contract and you don't immediately sign it and then you don't sign, presumably a, a better offer the next week, the longer it drags on, the more it looks like he isn't re-signing, which I think is a, a big shame. And I'd be quite surprised for him to walk straight into a championship team, particularly at left-back. It's just quite a stable, solid 7 out of 10, isn't he? Josh, but he, he has, to be honest, his numbers are still brilliant this season for a fullback. Um, yeah, we've always been a bit tough with our fullbacks so on this podcast, notoriously, though. Um, Connor, what do you reckon? Do you reckon? Sorry, go on, man. Oh, sorry, I was just going to quickly add the only other thing I would say is, is he 27 now? He yeah. may feel this yeah. is the last chance to, to play in the championship. That might be what he's, he's sort of waiting for. Well, do you reckon. Connor, if we went up, he would. It would be weird, wouldn't it? If we went up and then he went to Millwall. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That. So yeah. So that would be that would be stranger than what I think will happen. I think he will probably leave. I think he. You know, I. I don't think we will go up. I'm still. Even if we get in the playoffs, oh. I'm still not convinced we'll get through the playoffs. But. Um, yeah. Um, 
I'm on the kind of now edging towards the thought of that that he might be leaving. I think I think what Ben said about you know if you've got a contract on the table there and you're not signing it straight away, that means there's doubts. And if there are other clubs coming in for him that are in the championship, um, even if they're offering him similar money to what he's on at the moment, I think he's going to be, you know, chomping at the bit to play in the championship. Yeah. I mean, if if anything, it's pure guesswork. It could be his agent knows that a another club are happy to give him a deal and is telling him to wait until the end of the season. Why? Why would you sign a deal now if you know you're going to possibly have another one on the table? Keep break um, your leg. Possibly, but at 27, <laughs> it wouldn't be the end of his career unless it was like the world's worst break. Um, yeah. So a bit different to Sykes and Goring because we've just triggered an option. They've not really had to do anything. Um, you know, we're you know we're still not into May. There's a lot of players who'll be waiting to see what offers come their way. Um, I imagine he's one of them. With with him, it's the sa- it's the same as what we're doing with kind of Gorin and Sykes in that I'd love us to keep him, and but I'd like us to sign genuine competition, like not Grayson, like not what we've just done. Um, and not Alecci because nowhere near, right? Um, or at least we don't have any sight of but of where he was at, really. To be fair, but it's you, you've got to have some genuine competition there. Maybe someone who is ma- more of a kind of balanced, natural fullback um, to to challenge him. But that's kind of what we need. If he departs, then we need two, right? We're going to have to bring obviously two decent players in. Um, I s- I suppose the other thing is he mentioned his numbers. He's arguably numbers-wise come off his best season ever for us in a fairly successful League One team, and he might yeah. be saying that the contract offer doesn't reflect that. That's that's fair. Yeah, I always wonder, like the players that are more kind of homegrown local lads, they get sometimes a harder time from the fans, but maybe that plays a part with the club as well um, when you're kind of part of the furniture. Other thing, I think Jack, you write this in the notes, but like some of the youth players out of contract. So we mentioned Alecci, um, but there's Nico Jones, um, Kieran Lofthouse, who definitely showed some promise. Um, is it? Lo- are they both Fabios, Lopez and Sol? Yeah, both Fabios, nice. And then Spazov is another one that got his chance, didn't he? Um, looked pretty good, and a couple of those guys definitely did well at Woking, right? Um, I'm. <laughs> It'd be quite surprising if they all depart, but I guess it's that difficult time where if you if they sign kind of a pro deal, at what point they're not taking up the numbers, are they, with the new rules? If they're signing pro deals at this point, no, they're still all under twenty one for next season. Yeah, I just it'd be interesting to see if they're signing on. But you would yeah, have, you would have w- thought Woken have freely said they'll have Lofthouse if he doesn't sign a new deal at Oxford. I think he's played thirty odd games for them this season in the conference so far. Um, Spazov was definitely scoring goals as well. Yeah, and then he he got injured, so he's had an operation, so that might affect what what comes next for him. But I think there's a few of the under 18s So we know Tyler Goodrahm signed a pro contract. There's a there's a new crop of promising youngsters coming through, so it might be we let the current five or six go and let the others have longer to bed in. Yeah, yeah. Tyler Goodrahm scored a good goal as well earlier this week in a five nil win for the. I think it was the, I don't know if it was under 18s or under 21s. He scored a good goal. I watched that earlier. I think he's quite a promising young player, to be fair. It'd be interesting to see kind of which which of those players make their way into the first you know, the first team squads in the next 
you know, potentially next season and seasons beyond it. Yeah, it'd be good to have a couple coming through, wouldn't it? Definitely, um, yeah. With some real, like, genuine promise. Um, obviously, we've had what's his face back end of the season, double barreled CP. Can't remember his name. Someone help me. Chambers Paralon. Chambers Paralon. Thank you, Connor. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. Football time. Um, let's start with Wimbledon away. This was an interesting one. Um, again, we'd come off the back of a few wins, looking pretty good. All of our morale was was up. Um, bit of a weird first half. We are playing a lot of kind of direct football. Um, load of offsides all over the shot. Um, Elliot Lee decided he was going to become messy for a couple of minutes. Do, do you remember that at one point during the first half? He just started nutmegging and taking on and rouletting around a whole bunch of players before kind of <laughs> steaming through the pitch. It was amazing. Um, Henry did had a moment, didn't he, as well, that was um, reminded me of the, the Wickham playoff game where he kind of broke through on the right-hand side of the box. But he did shoot, but he just kicked it straight at the keeper. So that might have been what, have, what would have happened if he shot. Um, against Wickham <laughs> so maybe he was right to try and pass maybe that was the point he was trying to prove um, but yeah we we obviously went in a nil-nil bit of a nothing half but we scored really early second half Shadipo assist which was significant um, I thought anyway uh, and another Ruffles goal so another four, another goal from our defence but Ah, uh, uh, Jack. I guess like how quickly can things turn? I we I was feeling this is probably you know we'll probably look after this game. It will be one nil, and then yeah, handball, uh, penalty, red card, shit the bed. <laughs> I couldn't have put it better myself. Um, <laughs> it was very yeah. It was triple whammy, wasn't it? The red card. Then he scored the pen, and then we just fell apart and forgot how to defend I think if we'd have held on for even five minutes I think we'd have probably maybe not seen it out comfortably but we'd have been um a lot more less in disarray than what actually happened and there was the second goal was such a poor goal to concede I know there's a bit lucky I think there's a deflection and whatever else but we did just part a bit like the the Red Sea um I think someone in one of the post-match interviews said that the Sunderland situation got stuck in their mind a little bit where um, we went down to 10 at Sunderland and kind of didn't manage the game. There was the whole Brannigan free kick issue. Um, And against Wimbledon, did we almost not want to risk going down and trying to play for time in case the ref didn't give it? And in the end, we just um, kind of didn't really deal with their break basically from the kickoff. Um, Yeah. Yeah. how, How things change. It's interesting though, because Sunderland, Ben, I thought with 10 men, we were brilliant. Like we were excellent and it was 2-1 for a large phase of the game. Sam Winnell nearly equalised with only a few minutes left. Um, But as Jack said, like maybe a bit of a lack, maybe a bit of a lack of experience in the side and people just kind of looking at each other about what to do was, was, you know, led to that second goal. And as Jack said, we didn't have any time to kind of think about Right, let's let's sort our shape out here. Yeah, it's it's criminal to concede a goal that quickly after you've already conceded 
even with 11 men, that happened. You know, they could quite easily have scored that same goal even if Henry was on the pitch. It's disappointing because it looks like they've not switched off, but they've just, they're not fully engaged. There's two or three of them on the edge of the box, just queuing up for that ball to yeah. be pulled back. Um, I think, it, but it, it, as Jack said, if, if it was five minutes, we kept it at one all, I think it could be a different game then. I'm not suggesting we're going to you know, win it, but it's, it, you then got time to manage it. You can decide, right, where's the gap going to be? Who are we going to make? drop deeper to cover the position or do we just leave as it is and Henry's position is blank yeah unfortunately you can't it's difficult to train for that it's almost kind of got to go with the flow and ultimately if you can't get it quick enough you're going to be punished it was weird that like Connor we still had half an hour in this game as well to try and dig something out or scrap something but from from memory it's weird how long ago these games feel but we we just did we didn't really put any pressure on them or go direct until like the last few minutes um and at the time it's easier now to look back and not be so concerned but if we hadn't picked up a result against Plymouth um I kind of look back at that half an hour yes we had 10 men but we just didn't really you know throw everything at it but maybe in hindsight it's it was the right thing to do and we've got got ourselves back in it yeah, I think also there's something to remember is that there was two teams on the pitch there that have something to play for. You know, Wimbledon yeah. are scrapping for their lives and they want to stay up as well. Um, I think that that often plays a part. You know, the just the momentum shift, and it was a massive momentum shift from the red card and obviously the two goals that quickly followed. I think it was one of those games where you really struggle to regain a foothold if you ever had one in the first place. Um and we really struggled to do that. And, you know, we, we didn't push on in the way that us as fans would have liked. Um, but I yeah. think you, you're you also quite right, I think, with we're going to go on to the Plymouth game in a minute. And I think if the Plymouth game um, wouldn't have ended how it did, I think you would have looked back and pointed fingers more at the Wimbledon game than you probably are now, purely because of where they are at the table. But like I say, Wimbledon probably on paper were the better side. Um, and yeah. And arguably deserved the three points, and I just think it was a, uh, it was just a real shame that it that it unfolded the way it did with Henry's red card because at the end of the day it was a bit of a silly one, wasn't it? So yeah, and yeah. and to be fair, um, they I think that that was their fourth win in a row at the time, so they were on yeah, a really good run, was. and I thought they looked yeah. pretty. I thought they looked pretty decent. They had a yeah, striker that's obviously nabbed um, eighteen goals. Um, before we move on to Plymouth, the one thing on this. I remember I, w- I went out for a run and I was listening to the wasn't at the game and I heard KR come on afterwards and he was in reaction to the Wimbledon game and he, he described it as like one of the best performances. He said we were exceptional and all these things and I was just like, I, I think even the pundits on wasn't at the game were kind of like, I think Selfie was on there and was just like, uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have described it as exceptional. Like at least they called it how it was yeah. rather than just went along with it. I think it's proper. Um, it's it's player management tactics at this stage in the season. I think from for KR, he doesn't want to throw players under the bus at this at this point in the season. You know, he wants to try and keep heads high as much as possible going into the last few games. And if that's the way he does it, by you know, mummy cuddling the players in mummy cuddling, yeah, in nice. in that scenario at that time, 
just to make sure their heads don't drop and they're not you know not thrown under the bus because of one pretty average second half or below average second half, then so be it. I think it's just one of those things where we'll all look at that and go, "You're talking out your ass here." But no, I, I if he's it. if he's still looking after his players, then that's obviously his way of doing things, isn't it? And it's always been like that. He's said many many a time I'm, things like that. I'm only I'm nitpicking. It's it's just like use of the word. He could have just said. Like we were in a great position, great away performance, red card changed everything, um, yeah. and then we just didn't do much after that. But he shouldn't describe it as exceptional. Was but you know what he's thing. like? He wears his heart <laughs> on his sleeve and just and just you know he, he's often quite elaborate, isn't he? So he is. Yeah, I mean I agree with you, James. But I just you know it's just KR, and it? it's just one of those things he would he would say. Yeah. Well, Carl, if you're listening, uh, that's some feedback there. Thank you. Cheers. Um, <laughs> so we go on to. Plymouth um as I said I was watching this on my phone whilst in a pub so loosely paying attention and my eyes were getting hazier as time went by um from what I saw we we were really good Jack like first half we should have been more than one up it was a really positive performance um Taylor should have had one shouldn't he um I think you mentioned Sykes I think I might miss that but uh, Sykes should have potentially got a goal, but we went in 1-0 up, but really good, solid first half, and you kind of thought we should be more ahead. Yeah, it felt a little bit like a couple of the games earlier on in the season where um, we didn't didn't get the rewards from the amount of chances we created. Yeah, Taylor's header is probably a good save. Anywhere else, it would have gone in. Sykes had a shot. It was kind of snapshot um, that keeper saved. But yeah, Sykes was, as we mentioned earlier, at the root of a lot of the good things we did in that half. But you always felt, um, having not killed the game by half-time, that Plymouth would have a spell eventually. And it was kind of midway through the second half. And it was all over Twitter. They're going to score here. They're going to score here. And eventually they did. Well, yeah, we were talking about it just before we started recording. But Ben, do you remember like the kind of scramble in our penalty area, like a few minutes before they got the goal, like they were looking, they were looking solid. Um, and we, we just dropped off massively. And then, yeah, the goal, goal came and we were punished. And it's about the reaction at that point, isn't it? Yeah. I think the word pinball was used, which summed it up pretty well. It's kind of just get it out. No one knows what's going on. It's yeah. I think sometimes it, that momentum, you've got to try and, and see it out, but sometimes you can't, you know, it, it was a great goal. It's a very decisive pass. It cuts through the defence. It's a good finish. Sometimes yeah. you've got to say, okay, well, what can we do from here? And like you said, it's the reaction. And you get a goal within five minutes. It's straight away. You can see how much it meant. Uh, I think Sykes, after he smashes the ball across for Taylor to, to put in, he it means you can see how much it means to him. Fist pumps, big roar. <laughs> Wasn't there uh, some flute playing going on in the celebration? Or from Taylor. I didn't really, oh, I didn't it's a really bit understand of, bit of hip Saxophone, wiggle. wasn't it? Was it sax? It was saxophone, yeah, definitely a saxophone. It's, it's difficult to tell with the invisibility of the instrument, but <laughs> <laughs> no, they spoke about it on. Uh, no, they spoke about it on uh, on the quest. In celebration, uh, it's, it was a clear saxophone, clear, clear definite sax. Yeah, definitely sax. What was he, he playing? Baker bent Street. The, bent the knees and leant back and everything. He was clearly, clearly careless whisper. Sorry, I don't know any others. Played a bit of madness, I reckon. Yeah, it's yeah, fair. Yeah. Have um, some fun or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, great for Sykes 
um, kind of get the ball and then that's, you know, a Matty Taylor goal, as we like to say. And yeah, that was only five minutes of them being level. So that was excellent. And then um, obviously he gets the second. I think Elliot Moore should have probably grabbed us a third. It took a nick from a corner, went out, and then from the, yeah. the subsequent corner, we scored again, didn't we, Connor? Yeah, it's, again, it's going back to, I think it was last week's podcast where we were talking about James Henry's deliveries and we were saying like how good we look yeah. from corners. And that was it, you know, back to back-to-back corners where, you know, you threaten the opposition goal from from one corner to the next. And obviously the second one, Taylor with a with a neat a neat finish, but... Again, it's just another Matty Taylor goal, and that that's the type of that's the type of goals he scores. And I was talking what's to that, what's that put him on now? How many got seven? Seventeen, isn't it? Yeah, seventeen. I think um, it's not bad. That no, it's not. It's really not. And I was talking to a friend just before the day before the game, and he asked me, you know, do you start Taylor or do you start Winnell? And I was like, no. For my in my eyes, you always start Matty Taylor for for particularly those reasons you know when he gets service and when he when the ball falls to him inside those areas there's not you know there's barely a better player in league one to put it in the back of the net so really good for Matty yeah so that's obviously a really good win what was weird is Carl didn't describe that performance as exceptional um after the game he was very um calm he had his yazoo uh, that he was shaking about what was um, he doing with it <laughs> Uh, any fa- any fans with uh, yellow player or I follow whatever it is these days, just watch Carl's post match interview after Plymouth, where he's doing something off camera with his yazoo, and it just looks a bit. There's even you can even hear it. It's quite it's quite upsetting. Um, but he does love a, he does love a chocolate yazoo. Does Kr? This is definitely not how James described it before the podcast. <laughs> uh, we're, just no, just, just to save the viewers' ears. There might be some leave kids. it at that. It's there might be some children in a car going, "Daddy, what?" It's probably a bit late. We've I've already sworn. Sorry, kids. There you go. Um, right. What did that do to League One? And I think we obviously had to wait nervously last night to see how um, some of the games went. Jack, it was pretty mental, wasn't it? Like <laughs> last Tuesday night for those listening. Um, crazy. Yeah, it was. Just chaos. So I've recently um, joined a kind of EFL fans group um, via the Not The Top 20 podcast. And so you've got fans from all the different clubs in that. And literally the messages were just just noise and chaos. The number of late goals are not just late. Like we're talking 90 plus 5, 90 plus 6. And actually the swing from kind of the 92nd minute in all the games to how they finished was pretty positive with Pompey only drawing, Charlton only drawing. Um, again, don't things change so quick in football? You know, we, we were looking not down and out at 92 minutes last night, but in a spot of bother. Yet, you know, we we finished tonight just one point yeah. off sixth. I'd love to be in John Marcus's shoes for just like a couple <laughs> was, of minutes as he did the reverse Michael Dubry as I described it. I was, it I was literally like, just about to say, thank you, John Marquis. Mark, yeah, just mental, what a man. Right? Like, he, I know. So he, he put some free two up in the 91st minute. To Jack's point, all of us, I even went back through because I was doing other stuff last night. I went back through the WhatsApp before I actually went and looked at the scores. 
So I saw all of you go, oh, Pompey 3-2. Then, you know, there's a few more negative people perhaps in the WhatsApp going, season over, it's all done. Crew, you know, we'd need a miracle from Crew as well. And then suddenly Crew pop up in the 96th minute as well. Like, you know, I don't know. Written in the stars, potentially. It does feel crazy. You know what's going to happen though, don't you? Like there's there's all this that's gone on on Tuesday and we'll just go and lose on Saturday now. <laughs> I know. And then and then we'll just be like, oh yeah. But it's no. nice to have that yeah. bit of hope, you know. It's it's, it's still I, you've got to think like a lot of a lot of the people at the club keep saying, you know, we would have snapped your hand off for this position after the start we had. Part of me kind of like I I do buy into that to try and think positively and the other half is just like, well, just stop starting so shit. Yeah, and then we won't have to yeah. keep using that as like the positive swing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Rochdale as well, I do feel sorry for. Like they gave us a couple of really good games. They Wimbledon yeah. equalising the ninety seventh minute. Big Joe um, Piggott. Oh God, yeah, that must be a bit of heartache for them. They look like they're probably doomed now. Um, other mm. significant results that that went on: um, Shrewsbury lost to Lincoln. That's probably put Lincoln out of touch, hasn't it, really? Um, yeah. They've got they pretty games. much secured their place now, haven't they, really? Yeah, if they didn't win that, yeah. they'd have been on 72 points. And, you know, we keep talking about us trying to land on 74, but they'd have been on 72, but they would have had Peterborough, Charlton and Wimbledon to play. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd know, you don't necessarily you know. They could have had a couple of draws and a loss or something from those games. It wouldn't be too yeah. unrealistic. So I think that result for Lincoln was massive. Yeah, I think I think you know that we're probably going to go on to the League One run in in a minute. But you look at the Burton result as well yesterday, and I think that's going to be a really tough last game of the season. I think everyone's Burton. thinking the same thing because Burton Albion. I mean, you know, since Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's come in, they've done so well. And again, you know, they actually demolished Fleetwood five two yesterday, and it's a it's actually quite it's quite worrying, you know. Again, but. But it's it's in our hands, isn't it? Now a, a little bit more with the way the games went last night than the results that obviously went our way is in our is in our hands. But that's the way yeah. you want it to be. You want it to be more in our hands than in other clubs' hands, you know. So it's in like one hand at the moment. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of in like one and a half hands. Yeah, because they've only got like one game in hand around us. Stop saying so. hands. <laughs> <laughs> Say hands more, Jack. Um, uh, it was quite handy, all those um, late goals, actually, last <laughs> night, wasn't it? Um, I, no, I, I would be surprised if both Pompey and Charlton don't drop points from their remaining games just through pressure more than anything. However, as we've just alluded to, I'm not entirely confident that we won't drop points either. And Burton definitely owe us one from New Year's Day. Um, oh god, yeah. What yeah. was it? Five, what? five, five one was it in the oh, end? Five nil. Um, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a lot more twists and turns, even within games. Um, yet alone the fact there's another round of fixtures on Tuesday when we don't play. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Another th- another thing we didn't mention is Blackpool are obviously another one that at one point, so fifth and sixth seem to be more up to grabs. And what since we played Sunderland? They haven't won a game, have they? No. How many? I think they played seven times or eight times since, or something like that. They haven't won a game. Um, I swear, and I, I, 
posted last night. Like, I swear that happens to a lot of teams we play where they kind of beat us, like Accrington maybe, and then they just lose every game after that for a period of time or something. It just always seems yeah. to be us. Um, you know, know what will happen, though. Sunderland will get in the playoffs, obviously, because of their strong strong points tally already. And uh, they haven't won a game until the end of the season and they go and win the playoffs. So it's stupid like that will happen. But, yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that's kind of gutting me, and it's, it's only out of spite, is I do kind of hate the fact that Peterborough are going to go up. So, yeah, Operation, was, operation Payback or Vengeance. It was, it was yeah, quite for... funny yesterday, though, because when they were 2-0 up, a load of their fans started gathering in the car park at London Road and letting fireworks off. Whee! And then they threw, <laughs> they threw it away. And actually, they play Lincoln at the weekend. If they were to lose against Lincoln, Lincoln then have a game in hand, it could go to the last day with Lincoln being two points behind Peterborough. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I would prefer Imagine. Lincoln, 100%. I think everyone would. That would help yeah, us same as well. Here. If they beat Peterborough, then, as Jack said, they're in with a shout. That means then they've got everything to play for against Charlton. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. this running, it's it's about those teams who have got something to play for. My yeah. hope with the Burton game, I know they, they've tonked Fleetwood, but Fleetwood haven't got anything to play for. If we, yeah. if it, if it is down to the last game, and we've got a, a sniff of the playoffs, I think we will want it more, and that could be all that matters. I, I absolutely agree with that. And like yeah. looking, so looking at the teams that are relevant. So as we said, Lincoln have got Peterborough away, Charlton away, Wimbledon at home. So they they've definitely got a say in all of this, um, even just with that Charlton game. Um, Sunderland have got. Plymouth away and Northampton at home. It is feasible with Sunderland on 73 points based on their form. Plymouth have got something to prove, haven't they? Based on their recent form. Um, well, I don't know the last time they won. So I'm sure Ryan Lowe will be kicking them up the ass. You never know with Sunderland. That's a long trip for them as well. So Sunderland lose to Plymouth. That's going to be interesting. Um, they've got Northampton after, after Plymouth. So, you know, maybe Northampton... They could or they couldn't have something to play for, depending on their next result. Um, and then Blackpool have got Northampton away, Doncaster at home. Doncaster fallen away, nothing really to play for. Bristol Rovers are already down. so And they've been shite, haven't they, of late Bristol. So, yeah. who knows? And Jerry Barton pop- also looks like he's seen better days. <sighs> he does, doesn't he? Yeah. He does, yeah. yeah. Um, I-, I wonder how long he'll be there for. I wonder if he'll see through next season. I think he'll be given a shout next year. He did an all right job at Fleetwood, I thought. Um, Pompey have got Wimbledon away, which, as we know, is a tough game. But they are probably going to be safe, aren't they? They're already six points clear um, with a better goal difference. So they're probably already safe. Um, But that's still a tough game, assuming they're putting out strong teams. But to Ben's point, again, it's like, what do teams do now? Do teams start to rotate a little bit to give some minutes or to test out youth players or to do whatever it's always a bit of a gamble isn't it but i suppose you know you can't put too much it is what it is um can't really blame people for it we'd probably be doing the same thing wouldn't we if we were in that position um and then the final thing so pompey have got wimbledon away then accrington at home accrington weird team this season as we all know have got some amazing results um uh charlton have got accrington away lincoln at home and hull at home so they've got the toughest run in, albeit they've got that game in hand. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? 
I, I definitely, if we win on, um, like you say, if we win on Saturday and going into that Bur- Burton, it is going to be uh, terrifying. But the the thing about the hands, going back to the hands, is that win on Saturday and it goes down to the last day of the season, which I think is the most important thing. It'll be exciting. Um, and I'll take that. I think I think most Oxford fans would take that, having a, a decent shout last day of the season. So, <sighs> Is anyone particularly stressed or is everyone feeling quite relaxed about all of this? I I just think take it as it comes, the next two games, club you know, we need to focus on what on what we can do and that's beat the two teams in front of us and do our absolute best to secure the spots. Um and then obviously when the playoff comes, if the playoff comes, um we can kind of start to to get the nerves creeping in then because they always will in the playoffs, you know, playoffs are all or nothing games. So I think until then, you know, just let let it play out and uh, hopefully, you know, we creep into that sixth spot. Yeah. Did you guys see that the graphic that we put on the pod account on Twitter last night? So like in the last nine seasons, uh, the maximum amount of points required to get sixth place has been 74, which a team has got three times out of those nine seasons. And then the average points tally is 72.4 to be specific. Um, I, d- I don't know how much to look into that, but I do think seventy four will do it. Like personally, I think it will do it. So win our both our yeah. games. Yeah, I think so as well. And this is why those last two games last night, where those results kind of went our way a bit, I think are going to be quite important. And let's just hope that they continue to go our way. But again, it's just one of those things where we've got to do our bit. You know, if, if we don't win the next two games or we don't get at least four points out of the next two games, then we've got no chance. So we've got to do our bit. That's got to be, it's got to be two wins. I'm pretty nearly 100%. Yeah, it has sure to be two that. wins, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Shrewsbury might want to um, stop our little kind of excitement on Saturday, given what, what happened the other week. Jack, how are you? How are you feeling? Um. Well, I'm off boozing in Sheffield on Saturday, so um, <laughs> I'm quite glad that I'll be less stressed um, through alcohol intake. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about this earlier. Do we go all guns blazing and try to win it in the first 15 minutes, or do we go a bit more steady? And I, I don't know what the approach is going to be, because sometimes when you overthink it, you end up playing not very well because you, you're thinking too yeah. much. Um, is, is Barker going to be back? They've not said. They've been very coy about how bad his injury is. Um, mm. I think Winnell's fit. Henry's obviously not suspended anymore. So there will be a few more options off the bench than there was Saturday, although we didn't need them in the end. Um, who knows? Because Shrewsbury haven't... Have they won like one in six or something? So they're not in the greatest of form. They're not scoring many goals. Um, you just don't... You, it's the end of the season. It's so weird, isn't it? Like... You just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So since they lost to us, I think as well when we beat them four-one, it wasn't really a four-one game either, was it? Like it was kind of similar to Accrington away earlier in the season. That was four-one, but we kind of didn't feel like the result reflected the game. Um. So that's that. And it was another one, wasn't it, where they 
got a goal back to make it 2-1 just after half time and we luckily we time it was timing again wasn't it we went down and then just got the third really quickly which obviously just killed them um so we've done that a few times obviously against Plymouth um on Saturday but so since they played us they've lost to, at home to Doncaster 2-0 they then lost at home to Wigan 2-1 and by the way Donny obviously have had a real struggle in the last few weeks they beat Blackpool away 1-0 which I just find th- this league is unpredictable, which is part of the terror and fear that we have. And then they lost to Lincoln 1-0. As Jack says, though, they don't score a lot of goals. Um, ben, confidence rating as a percentage of a win, please. It was higher until you mentioned the Blackpool result. <laughs> um, I'll go with 85% confident we'll win. Oh, I like it. Okay. I feel it's going to be... I mean, I'd like the result to be the same, but I feel like it'll be the Carlisle game from what four or five years ago, where we have to, we knew we had to win that game for it to go to the last game of the season. We got the early goal, which was great, but it was just a very nervous game, and we didn't we didn't push on too much because we didn't want to make a mistake, but we didn't necessarily sit deep and you know the, the dreaded nil nil at sixty minute mark, and then let's go from there. I think, as, as Jack said, you can't overthink it. You've just almost got to play your game as much as yeah. possible without the situation getting too much in your head. Because otherwise, as you say, you, you can think yourself into a position where you're 1-0, 2 nil down and you've no idea why. I think though, Connor, like that, what Ben's describing there, that kind of thing in the back of your head, like every game's a must win, even from like crew. Like we've had to kind of win every game in a sense to stay in it. So do you reckon the players will kind of ride on that? They like a bit of pressure, the fact we're still in it? Or do you reckon we're going to bottle it and... I don't know. I really hope we don't bottle it. I think if we do bottle it, it's going to piss a lot of people off because, you know, we've done well to get ourselves into this position, like we said, given the start of the season or whatever. Um, there's a few matches that we can look back at and say, yeah, there's some critical results. You know, you look at Northampton, you look at Swindon. There was some. This there were some. Criti- oh, no, 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 there were some critical, you know, points lost. I think in the grand scheme of things, but um, I think the players will have will have enough fire in their bellies to to be playing. You know, they've got something to play for. They want to be in the mix. You know, they want to be pushing for the championship. So they've got something to play for, and I think I think hopefully we're going to see see that kind of manifest on the pitch on on Saturday, and um, hopefully it's a good result. The way, obviously, sorry, the way this season's gone, and the twists and turns, and no one really wanting to secure the playoffs, it wouldn't surprise me if all the playoff chasing teams lost on Saturday, and it it swung a little bit more. It would just sum up this season in terms of. Yeah, we'll have to see. It's interesting point Connor makes on games we can look back on. Um, I was talking to a Portsmouth fan that I know, and he was saying. The three results that their fans keep quoting um, are their 3-1 defeat away at Swindon, their 4-1 defeat away at Northampton, and their 3-1 defeat away at Bristol Rovers. So, you know, every club has poor results across the season. Well, you know, at no point can we say if we'd have beaten Swindon at home, we would have gotten the playoffs because equally Portsmouth will be saying if we'd have not got beaten 4-1. So let's get four points and see where we are. Yeah, it works the other way as well, doesn't it? Like beating Gillingham 3-2 um, <laughs> in the way that we did. And so, yeah, 
Oh, right. Well, yeah, fingers crossed it all goes well. I, do you know what I couldn't handle is another one of another like handball on the line and a penalty conceded. Just that type, if that played out again, I think I'd I'd be destroyed. I just want it to be a, a nice, fair game of football. Trevor Kettle can get the fuck away from uh, <laughs> Shrewsbury Stadium. Let's let's hope it's someone else. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? Though? I don't want like nonsense to ruin the game. I just want it to be proper game. None of that type of crap going on. Um, uh, you've made me check who the ref is at the weekend now. Don't. Can you imagine? KR's like, it's, it's KR's like on top of the stand in the corner. I was going to say, yeah. If it's Trevor Kettle, then no, you know KR's only miles away. It's not, but Darren Drysdale is fourth official, so he might try and headbutt someone. Uh, oh, spicy. Uh, all right. I think we'll leave it there then, chaps. Um Let's hope we're podding again to preview the final day of the season where we've got something to play for. Otherwise, we probably won't be won't be doing a pod because it'll be sad and it'll be more of an end of season review or something like that. I think we need to get a guest on for that. Spice yes, it yeah, spice it up. I'll get my dad on. Get Connor's dad on. Spice it up. <laughs> <sighs> he'd right. just be he'd just be the most like fickle football fan review. It'd be even worse than us lot if he was on there. I think we're pretty bad. I think a lot of people hate listening to us for that reason. I can't help it though. I know. It's just the roller coaster emotions of being a, a football fan at this level. Yeah. At a decent football club. You know, we support a decent team. We're 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 in the mix, but we're also not quite in the mix. You know, we're up and down. Right. Thanks everyone for listening and uh yeah, enjoy enjoy your week and hopefully we're back after a positive result on Saturday. Bye-bye.